Hey everybody, uh, Alex Ryman here. Just wanted to kind of record a little bit of a disclaimer uh, before we uh, dive into this episode. Uh, this is episode 25, by the way. Thank you guys so much for sticking around with us for so long. But this episode in particular, episode 25, has some uh, some strong language and some uh, possible trigger words and just some sensitive material. Uh, so if you, this is the opportunity uh, in the episode that we want to, if you have little ears around, uh, definitely make sure that they are in a, a place where they, they're not ready to hear this until you, you want them to. So uh, again, guys, thank you so much. 25 episodes. And this one is the one uh, we chose to have uh, this kind of content on. So I hope you guys can appreciate it and uh, learn something from it. And before we dive into the episode, and uh, Jason didn't ask me to do this, but I, I felt it necessary. Um, this two listeners that I really want to thank uh, before we get into the episode, and I know they're listeners because they they give us feedback, and they they and actually they're family. Uh, Jace, our Jason's wife Jess, and Jason's dad uh, Dave. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, everything uh, you have done for Jason, and especially as he wrestled with this uh this bat uh this uh, battle that he's had in his life and you guys are awesome and thank you so much for taking care of my friend and that he's here today to tell these stories and to have this uh silly little podcast with me so i love you guys thank you so much for taking care of my friend without further ado here's the episode welcome everybody to not your pastor's podcast plan b yeah uh jason and i actually had a really awesome interview scheduled for you guys and i'm not gonna lie i was really excited it was probably it was with a high profile guest and um we're not gonna reveal who it is because we we still may not be able to get the interview or you know we don't know what the future holds for us you know as the lord wills as they say um but due to technical difficulties and this stupid michigan wind uh, literally an act of God <laughs> it was canceled pre- our Skype interview because the wind knocked out your internet, Alex. We, it, guess what? It was predestined, Jason. It For was... those of you who believe in predestination, you guys are jerks. Well, I'm, I'm still really upset. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. But you know what we decided? We decided to do our Plan B podcast because, you know, if, if anybody of you out there who have Skyped or have done uh, interviews with podcasts over Skype... Uh, you know you're at the mercy of your technology. If the technology doesn't want to work, then you're not doing the interview. Or like, so going back to our episode 18 18 with Keith Giles, we had to reset up like three or four times. It was a nightmare. Because our inter- like my internet wasn't working, and then like something on his end wasn't working, so it was just a complete nightmare. I mean, you did wonderful editing that thing because it, you couldn't even tell yeah. that we were stopping and starting about four or three or four different times. But anyway, so what we're gonna do for tonight's episode is we're gonna we're just gonna look at the issue of mental illness through the eyes of one famous podcast host, Jason Duncan. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> like I said, Jason, I I'm I'm super green to this subject, so I'm I'm interested to kind of get some of your perspectives and th- for you to help me understand the terminology. So, like when we do interview people, uh, I don't sound like an inner and like an idiot. You know yeah. what I mean? So, guys, this is not your pastor's anxiety disorder episode.
right, guys, we're here with Jason Duncan, my faithful podcast host, which, by the way, Jason, thank you so much for coming out tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, I had I had other plans, but... <laughs> <laughs> like doing another interview with somebody way cooler than me? Yeah. <laughs> but this will be good, though. I'm actually like, I'm like, I'm pretty nervous because we talked about doing this as a little side. Yeah, like a bonus episode. Like a little bonus episode. And I thought I'd be like recording it by myself in a room with nobody else around. So having you here is like, I suggested we play NHL 94, which we're going to do as soon as this is over (laughs) just to put out the flames. Anyway, we're here. We're going to be talking with Jason about his anxiety disorder. Now, like, like I said in our intro, everybody, I know nothing about mental illness. I know that it exists. I know that. Um, it's, it's something that our society is, I, I believe and Jason, you could speak more to this is, is becoming more keen to, uh, and like maybe accepting of it. Like, I, I I feel like more and more people are coming out of the woodwork and, and feeling comfortable saying what their mental illness is and like being open about it as opposed to keeping it in the closet. Yeah, I, I think so. And I mean, when my anxiety disorder hit its peak, which is my senior year of high school yeah um nobody knew what to do with it like the therapists were awful i went through several therapists through several drugs which is not an uncommon problem most people who have depression or anxiety disorder go through a number of different drugs until they find the right one that works for them i mean that's the weird thing about the brain like when you say mental illness, you're dealing with a brain. You're dealing with the the thing in the human body that we know the least amount about. Yeah. Like it's not like just regular medicine where you like you have certain symptoms and it's like, oh, that, that's cancer or that's diabetes or that's this or that because there's so many symptoms that point to that thing. When you have a mental illness, the diagnosis could be just just, you know, really hard to to figure out. Yeah, so, like, let me say, like, my anxiety disorder is pretty much gone now. Praise Jesus. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is I don't know what to do with it. Like, it it existed, and it was real, and I'm going to kind of dig into some of the different episodes that I had. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, when I met with a psychiatrist, he said, you're going to be on this medication for a year once we find the right one and two and a half years later after we found the right one the i truly believe the medication worked and i i haven't had uh an a panic attack like the ones i had prior so give us a little bit and so i want to backtrack a little bit yeah we need you to. you've you've brought up two two different types of doctors and i want people to know the differences between what is a therapist and what is a psychologist because they're different correct yeah i think a psychiatrist can prescribe a medication where a therapist can a therapist will be talking to you about past issues and exercises and and things that'll help you like mentally where a psychiatrist can actually prescribe drugs and like and make diagnoses yeah diagnoses yeah and I highly recommend getting your prescription from a psychiatrist and not your effing local family doctor. Yeah. Who really screwed me over. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that for sure. But so 
tell tell me and tell everybody listening what what your anxiety disorder what happened to you like yeah well let me, let me start by saying like this is not something i talk about often yeah so like if i'm stuttering over words i'm like rethinking and we didn't plan this episode so yeah this is just off the cuff you know how i like to have my outlines alex yes but a couple of weeks ago maybe a month or so ago um me learning the twitter and all yeah i came across this hashtag this is what anxiety feels like which was started by sarah fader of stigma fighters stigmafighters.com and i i started following that hashtag this is what anxiety feels like and it was like bullets to the chest Mm. like it really hit me in a deep way and like all of all of my like panic attacks like I started recalling them and I was like, holy crap. Like when I started reading those tweets of what people were going through, it's like, man, I went through that too. I know exactly what that's like. And I like instantly started like tweeting out tons. Yeah. Of, I remember that of, of feelings and thoughts and some of them suicidal. And I mean, that's, that's how rough my anxiety disorder got at one point. But then once it went away, you know, 12 years ago or so, right before I got married, you know, you kind of, I I had kids and just put it on the back burner and I I didn't think about it much. And then I saw that hashtag and it's like, holy crap. It it just reminded me of this past that I had. And uh, I actually wrote an article for Stigma Fighters. Yeah, I saw that. That's awesome. Have you, have we gotten any feedback on that or you've gotten any feedback? No, I have, I honestly, I haven't told anybody that I did it other than our few followers on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I should post that, make it public. Yeah. But at the same time, it's really personal. So it's kind of scary to step out there, but that that's, that's the whole point of what they're trying to do at stigma fighters. And what I love, I was listening to some interviews, um, on the CXMH podcast. Yeah. It's like the crossroads of Christianity and mental health. And they were interviewing Sarah and she was talking about why she started the program. And they had another woman on there also named Sarah, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Sorry, Sarah. Yeah, sorry. But both of them were kind of saying, so when you get diagnosed with like a mental illness and the doctor gives you like medicine and you visit the therapist and stuff, you feel really isolated and alone. So their whole goal was like, well, hey, let's throw our stories out there and people can hear our stories. And so when they search for, you know, anxiety disorder, uh a real live person and story comes back at them and they can read that and say, Hey, I'm not alone. Other people go through this crap too. And so that's what I really love about that website. That's why I contributed uh, my article. And then twofold, since we're a churchy podcast, uh, I really hope to help uh, pastors, especially like small town pastors who don't have a clue on what to do with, uh, mental disorders and especially anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. like they don't like the bible just says you know read luke 12 i mean don't be anxious don't worry about what you should wear and what you should put on i mean these are the words of jesus alex yeah don't worry i mean you can't add another moment to your life you you can't add another hair to your head and just trust in god and have faith i don't want to put like an asterisk by it but like that's all well and good for the person who isn't struggling with maybe like a 
don't know, like a chemical imbalance in the brain? There's, there's a, yes, exactly. There's differences between, okay, I'm, I've, I have high anxiety right now. I'm going through an anxious situation. You know, I still have anxiety that everybody does. Yeah. That's never going to go away. I get anxious. I'm going to just, I get anxious when I drive through the city of Detroit. Yeah. I oh, so do I. I can't do it. Yeah. I will literally, like right before we get out, like we're outside of Detroit, I will pull over, my wife and I will switch, and she will drive and I will navigate. Yeah. And it's the only way I can do it. Like one time we went downtown just to get some ice cream. It was the most stressful. I was so anxious. I was just like a ball of nerves. And my yeah. wife was like, this was a bad idea. I'm driving us home. Let's go back to the woods of Metamora, yep, Alex. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Can't handle it. No, but everybody has like those anxious moments or has some level of anxiety. I mean, when we do this podcast and we're about to do an interview, I always get like a certain level of anxiety. Yeah. But nothing like the panic attacks that I I faced um, when I was younger. So I guess to go back to your original question, what are these like? Yeah. Oh, crap, Alex. Uh so the first panic attack I had, um, I'm at friend's house, and I'm probably 17, 18 years old, and we're watching movies. And I don't remember what movie we were watching. That's not the point. The point was I was having fun hanging out with my friends. There was probably 10 or 15 of us there, and it was a Friday night, and I usually go to my dad's on Friday nights, and my dad has me for the weekend. My parents are divorced, and... Uh, I called my dad and said, Dad, I'm, I'm hanging out with some friends. I kind of like to stay here uh, tonight. Can you pick me up in the morning? And my dad was like, yeah, sure, no problem at all. And, you know, because being an, uh, a kid of divorced parents, you spend the weekend with one parent, and you kind of miss out on hanging out with your friends during, yeah. during the weekend when all your friends want to hang out together. And uh, so I hung up the phone. And I was sitting on the edge of uh, her fireplace. Oh, uh, so it was a girl. Yeah. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. Uh, yeah. I hope Jess isn't listening. <laughs> no. Uh, and uh, I sat down and my butt hit the edge of the fireplace. Like I physically like sat down, but inside I was falling. Hmm. And it felt physically like falling. And I started to panic because I knew I was sitting there, but mentally I was still falling and I didn't stop falling and it freaked me the hell out. And then all of a sudden, um, this feeling came over me that everybody's dead. All my family, like everybody just died. And, um, I started sweating. I couldn't breathe. And the next thing I know, all my friends are staring at me and the movie's put on pause. And uh, my friend Lindsay calls her mom in. And there's no there's no drugs, there's no alcohol, there's none of that going on here. Just a group of friends, parents in the other room, we're watching a movie. And her mom comes in and she's like, I think somebody needs to take them home. And uh, I couldn't hardly walk. Like the room got really small. And people were asking, what's wrong, dude? And it's like, everybody's dead. And they're like, what are you talking about? Who died? Because, you know, I had just gotten off the phone with my dad. So they thought I just got some horrible, terrible news. Right. 
And it wasn't the case. It was just this feeling that I had and I couldn't shake it. So my buddy Eric drives me home and he was, he was my best friend. But after, after this, I mean, we got kind of distant because I, I, I don't know. I, um, my anxiety disorder kind of, um, made me an introvert. Kind of ran your life maybe a little bit. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute too. So my, uh, he, he drives me home and nobody's at home except for my grandma who was living us with us at the time. And my grandma was kind of out of her mind. Um, mm. as, as I find out later on that, uh, the mental illness runs in my family and, uh, we think she had it too. And what's crazy is I walked in the door and I fell down on the kitchen floor and my grandma very plainly, this is a woman who hardly spoke at all at this point. Um, she's like, she said in, in a very like lucid, gentle voice, like, are, are you okay? And like thinking back on that, like, holy crap, grandma knew exactly what was going on. Hmm. She knew exactly what was going on with me. And in that moment, like whatever she was going through, because she was like mentally out of it. Yeah. She was a normal person. She was able to pick up on she it. She was normal on that moment. Man. And she absolutely picked up on what I was going through. Um, I thought I was dying. I thought everybody else was dead. Like just completely out of it. Completely out of control. Oh, yeah. Like that feeling of like, I mean, for for they kind of have like a contrast. Like I've never felt anything like that before. And even when I have the like the like driving through Detroit, like I have a little bit of like this uncontrolled feeling because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a one way here soon. And I'm not trying to compare my stupid little anxiety to your anxiety disorder, yeah. but I'm just trying to make a connection. Like the the idea of feeling out of control and not being able to control what's going on around you. Yeah. It has I, to, it, in, frightening has to be frightening yeah and and the one recurring theme was it's not like okay i don't want to drive through detroit it's everybody's dead yeah they're all gone like the whole family everybody i know love and care about just died Hmm. and it's like real trauma like it hurts really deep and it i had this this particular time i had this sensation that i was just falling and i couldn't hardly walk I i couldn't even imagine so, uh, you know, everything kind of settles down a few hours later in the next couple of days, everything returns to normal. But then I kept getting these and they would strike randomly. So, I mean, we, we talked with Joel Rash about our, our show we put on there in Montrose. After that show, I had one of the worst panic attacks I have ever had in my entire life. I was driving home from that show mm-hmm. and uh, something spooked me. I, I don't know what, but those feelings started all over again as I was driving. So can barely drive at this point. And thankfully, this the bowling alley wasn't that far from my house. I live in town, so we're less than two miles away, if that. Um, I came inside and nobody was home. And again, all these feelings, everybody's dead. Everybody's gone. Um, I got so scared, Alex, that I passed out. Wow. I completely blacked out. And to this day, 
we never have found the keys to the car. I do not know how I got home. I don't remember. It's gone. I don't remember where I put those keys. My mom has since moved out of that house. And through the whole moving process, we never found them. And I have no, I have no memory in that, in that moment. Like I just remember being so scared and just blacking out, passing out and just waking up the next day. And again, I was, I was a good Christian boy, Alex. I had five swear words to my name at this point. (laughs) I'm serious. I can recall them all. No drugs, no, no drugs, anything, no alcohol. I was completely straight edge and proud of it. Yeah. I was uh, top 10 in my class academically. I had scholarships to play soccer at uh, college for college, like college soccer. I had scholarships. I was accepted to four universities um, and I couldn't do any of it. Mm. Like, like mentally could not. And then I got lots of, well, I mean, lots of, lots of kids have anxiety, you know, they're go they're leaving high school and they're leaving this familiar environment and, uh, you know, they're going off to college and that's, that can be scary for kids. And I'm like, well, why do I feel like everybody's effing dying? Like, yeah, this isn't just a little bit of anxiety. This is, this is something way out of yeah, left like, field. No, I, I get that. I have those, but I'm also confident in my ability to play soccer and, you know, academically, I'm not worried about any of that, worried about financially affording, like making payments and things of that nature. But I kept having these anxiety attacks hmm. uh, that were so sporadic and triggered by su- such random things. Um, there's another time. <laughs> I, I can go through a couple of these. Yeah. I'm walking through. That's why we're doing this. I'm walking through the Genesee Valley Mall with my dad. My dad says, hey, I'm going to go run over to this store over here. And Hot and, Topic. He was going yeah, to Hot my dad topic. was going to Hot Topic. <laughs> And uh, sorry, Dave, <laughs> I was going to journeys to look at some shoes, right? As one does. And they moved the store. They moved the store to a different wing. And I flipped out. I flipped out. I didn't know where I was. Didn't have a clue where I was. I got so scared. They, um, the walls started closing in like, like actually closing in like Indiana Jones Temple of Doom. Yes. I mean, they were they were I was Dang. I was going to get crushed. My dad had to had to um had to hold me and walk me out of the mall cuz I could not walk. Oh man. He had to pretty much carry me up the steps to his apartment and lay me down on the couch cuz I I couldn't I I couldn't do it. So, like obviously my mom's worried you know, about me at this point, I've had a couple of these episodes and, uh, she's concerned and she, she sends me off to my family doctor, Dr. Alton asshole. (laughs) And, uh, so I just have to say that like his recommendation He's like, he, you know, he performed a physical. You're perfectly fine. You're in great physical shape. Uh, go out and have as much sex as you want. What? Yeah, that was, that was the family doctor's advice. He's like, seriously, you want to take the edge off? Go out and, like, you're a good-looking young dude. 
go like have lots of sex. Oh my! It's gosh. perfectly healthy. And uh, is your parents in the room at this? No, no, no. Because you're probably my, I was there by myself. Were you, you know? probably eighteen or nineteen? Yeah, at this I probably point? had just turned eighteen. Yeah, so you'd you'd be by yourself. Yeah, I'm still in high school at this point. I graduated late. Oh, okay. Um, but he's you know he says go out and have as much sex as you want and then he's like if you do have a panic attack um here's some xanax and he gives me xanax in a plastic baggie not like a pill bottle in a plastic freaking baggie that just sounds shady oh yeah and he tells me he's like if you start having an episode crush one of these and put it under your tongue it'll get into your bloodstream fast faster so uh now okay so again green super naive what is xanax what is it for xanax is um it's more or less a tranquilizer as far as i know they're like a lot of your antidepressants xanax probably a little bit stronger than the average one i feel like i've seen the commercial for each one of these has their own like facet i think but basically if you have a chemical imbalance in your brain, like I did um, when I actually did get tested and had blood work done, uh, my levels of serotonin were not balanced. So the medication helps balance those out. But if your doctor doesn't do the blood work and he just hands you a baggie of Xanax and says, go have sex, it says, go have sex. Yeah. Uh, and that- so um, at this point, I know Jess and uh, Alex. You know, I don't like animals. We have the animal facts for Jason. Mm-hmm. I don't like large animals at all. Yeah. I, they terrify me. Like, you talk about anxiety driving through the city. I have anxiety through uh, around large animals. I just do. I always have. So, um, we're at Jess's friend, Jesse's house, and she's got some horses. And so, I'm trying to, like, extend myself, like, trying to get Trying close. to be cool around the girl. Yeah, trying to get cl- yeah to get close to a horse. That's like <laughs> girls love horses, Jason. Yeah, you need to know this. And so I kind of reach out to pet the horse through the fence, and it jerks back, and then it started. Oh no! Like that started it. I told Jess we have to leave now because it's starting. And it's it's kind of like it, it gets going and it ramps up and then within minutes like you're done, and so you're in that catatonic state again. Yeah, and so um, I drive us home and it's not that far from her parents' house, and uh, we're driving down the road, and I'm looking and there's this man wearing a gray jumpsuit, like a gray jogging suit, and he's jogging on the side of the road and he's heading towards us. And you know how you have that moment when like you're passing by somebody jogging or somebody in another vehicle and you have this quick glance at them where you see their face, you know, just these really quick like glances. Well, this guy's running towards us and uh, I have that moment where, you know, your face is like connect, like you see him, he sees you or whatever. And he didn't have a face. <laughs> didn't have a face, Alex. That's like the stuff of movies, Jason. No face. And I lost it. 
I absolutely while you're driving lost it. Did you pull over or what did you do? No, I was able to get us. We weren't that far from Jess's My house. Goodness, I mean, dude. two two right turns were in the driveway. Just every time you say this, like you're always, you're driving, and I'm like, well, you shouldn't be driving. I was terrified to drive. I didn't have my license till I was 18. Okay. Uh, I thought at one point, this will be the way that I die. I'm going to have one of these panic attacks while driving and I'm, it'll be done. Like, oh my God. I was terrified of it. Absolutely terrified to, to drive. I was terrified to be too far away from home because what if I start having a panic attack and now I'm, hours away from home at a show or something. I quit playing in a band for a while. Like mm-hmm. I played in punk rock bands and been at the Flint local and, and played all these different places. And it got to a point where I was like, I can't, can't do it right now. Mm. And I, I stopped um, because I was scared. What happens if I have one of these panic attacks? So this particular attack um, get to Jess's parents' house and I crush up the Xanax and I put it under my tongue. Let me tell you, that was the worst advice I ever got because now I'm essentially paralyzed, freaking out. So your body, I'm pretty much what always happened was my body went through, it felt like I was running a marathon. Like my body went through this, hmm. like a heart's just racing, you're sweating. It's like you're running in place. And here I am running in place, but I also have this tranquilizer where I can't move and I couldn't communicate. Like I was trying to form words on my tongue to speak to somebody and I couldn't do it. And here's Jess's parents are here and they're like, what the hell is this? Jess's dad actually told me a couple uh, weeks ago. He's like, yeah, there was a point there where I didn't want you to marry my daughter because you were sickly. And I didn't want her marrying like a weak person she'd have to take care of because there's a large spell. Like, thank God Jess was always there by my side. And that's not easy for her. Yeah. Because you think of it, we were really young. So I was like 18 and she was 16. And for a 16 year old to have to put up with that, like I think about it now, I'm like, holy crap. She was so incredibly mature for her age. (laughs) But even then there was like moments where... I'm going through this and I feel like I'm going to die. And she would say things like, well, I love you. And I wouldn't say anything in return because I couldn't. And she would be like, well, do you love me? Like, like I'm like, not now. Now is not the time. (laughs) And so it's really hard for her. Yeah. Like, you know, because now he's going through this phase and I don't quite understand. So I go to another therapist um, this woman spent a lot of time trying to convince me I was gay. No, not gay. Okay. I'm pretty sure I'd, I'd know if I were. <laughs> there's, there's certain signs. But each, each like therapy session, I had to like tell her, st- I'm not gay. <laughs> I have a girlfriend. Like this just boggles my mind. Like I like I don't know if she thought like well maybe this is why he's having these these anxiety attacks because he's hiding like a he's hiding a secret. Or a he's secret not truly he being who doesn't he know is. how to process it. And he's not being himself. It's like no, I, these are coming out of the left field. I don't know where they're coming. Everything would trigger these stupid things. Alex, a smell, the smell of clove, cigarettes, panic attack. 
Man. And none of it is associated with anything at this point. The brain, dude. Yeah. I would, uh, you know, something would be in an unfamiliar spot like that store and I'm out. Uh, you know, can't even function. Like somebody has to carry me or guide me out of wherever we're at. And so she like was trying to get me to relax. You know, she gave me like this ocean noises CD and she's like, here, uh, here's some Yanni tracks. Yeah. I have, have these ocean noises going in the background as you sleep and try sleeping naked. And she's like, put yourself in a really relaxed state. And like, that's not helping. <laughs> and I told her, I was like, well, my other doctor said to go have lots of sex. She's like, no, cause that could hurt other people. So just stick with like porn and masturbating. Oh my it's like, hey, gosh. Thanks for the addiction. Oh, uh, Mrs. Therapist. And so, I mean, I have this anxiety disorder, but nobody is pinning it down for me. And, um, finally my mom, she, uh, um, she worked, she works at the hospital and she found a psychiatrist for me. And I go see the psychiatrist who sends me to have blood work done. And I have legitimate blood work done that Mm. shows that my serotonin levels are unbalanced. Uh, my mom also did some family research like this runs in the family and, uh, I've had lots of other uh, family members struggle with it, although nobody wants to talk about this. <laughs> like, right? It's not fun to talk. Hey, Jason's going crazy, especially two or th- that's fun. Like, you know, two generations ago, like this is something that was so taboo. Like, nobody went and saw the quote unquote. And I'm, I, I know psychiatrists don't go by this anymore, but the shrink. Like, you don't want to go oh, see yeah. the shrink. Like, that's super embarrassing. That means like you don't have your life together, but. It's not necessarily you don't have your life together. It's your brain is making these different chemicals and somehow they're not in sync. And it's like a real medical condition. It's not something to be ashamed about at all. Yeah. Alex, I wanted to die. I wanted to kill myself. Oh, my gosh, dude. Like I thought of ways to commit suicide. I mean, there was one time I wrote it in the article where I'm driving down the road and I say, this is it. I'm done. And I closed my eyes and floored it. Oh my gosh. And not that I had a finding God in the waves moment. Yeah. Um, but I'm going down the road with my eyes closed and just the vehicle floored. And I hear a voice in my head. I don't know if it was audible or not. I don't think that it was. It just, it came to me and would, however you want to say that. And it said, not yet. And, uh, wow. I was Chills, so chill. I was so angry, Alex. I said one week. <laughs> I was like, you've got one week. Cause I am fed up. I am so sick of this. I was, it was getting worse and worse. Like I was afraid to leave home. Yeah. Like I, you know, I wasn't hanging out with friends anymore because what if I'm, what if I go to meet somebody new and they smell like a clove cigarette and I just go down? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do I explain that? So, I mean, I wouldn't go anywhere or I wasn't with Jess because she had built this trust relation. I knew I could trust her. 
and I knew she could help me get help. It was almost like a a, a safe zone, not not a, maybe a safe zone, but like a comfort. Yeah, her and um, my dad and my mom. Nobody else was getting in. Really? Uh, no, and I didn't. I mean, I had friends, but not not close friends. Not like not like them. I mean, that was it. And I didn't want to be that far away from me, any of them. So somebody's got to be within thirty minutes at all times. So everybody came over to your house then. Like you, like you said, you can't go out, so everybody has to. No, come to I you. would still go out, but it was getting to that point where I was very closely, like, like I remember, you know, I got accepted to Michigan State and walking campus, and they're giving a tour of the dorm room. I mean, I had my dorm room and everything I was staying with, and they were giving us a tour of the dorm. And there's this big window by the stairs, and I looked at that window, and I saw myself jumping out of it, like breaking through. And jumping out of that window, and I was like, "Nope, not not coming here." <laughs> I was too scared, um, and I I I said no to MSU because your freshman year they won't allow you to have a car on campus, mm-hmm. and I refused. I yeah, I would have killed myself. And so um, back to the story where I did you know try to commit suicide, and stopped because I heard this voice. Um, I said one week. And then the following uh, Sunday, I went to church, and the church sucked at everything at this point. They didn't know what to do with this. Like, I tell them, I'd, I'd, I have anxiety. Well, you just need to pray more or have more faith or just, just trust God. It's like, I'm doing all this. I've said five swear words. I've only kissed one girl. I don't do drugs or alcohol. Like, I, I get... A's in school, like I'm top 10 in my class, like I'm a good kid. I know all the Bible stories. <laughs> yeah. And you're telling me to have faith? Like, like shit, I didn't think of that while I was going through a panic attack and thinking I was dying. Like, just pray more. Like, right. I'm praying. Nothing, ain't nothing happening. Like, it's messed up. So I go to church and a very terrible minister uh, preaches to live as Christ, to die as gain. And I heard that passage and like, it gave me a hope, like a reasoning, like, okay. At that point, like I read that scripture and I know this is like a great theological error, but I, I read that scripture and I said, Paul wanted to die too. Paul wanted to off himself just like I do. And I know that's not in context. That's not what Paul's talking about mm-hmm. now after doing, you know, a lot of uh, different studies and things. But when I, when I read that verse that time, it's like Paul wanted to off himself, and I do too, but he's saying to live right here and right now is for Christ. And I had that tattooed on my wrist, that verse, with to die as gain on the outside and to live as Christ on the inside on my wrist because I knew um, being right-handed in that tattoo on my left wrist, if I was going to slit my wrist, I'd have to slit through that verse. <laughs> wow, man. Uh, that was my reasoning. It's heavy. Yeah. That, that was my reasoning. So, um, yeah. So, before we get too much into the church and, and you, how, you, how you process this and continue moving forward, let's take a quick break. Okay. All right.
Jason, this episode, is, I can just tell it's getting heavy, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's heavy content. It's, it's your life, man. It's what you you've been through. But uh, we, I want to, I want to encourage you and just encourage uh, our listeners that we're still getting five star reviews. Yes. So we got another one that I want to read, and it's it's from a it's from a good friend of ours that we just met recently, and his name is Garthak. Oh yeah. I hope you found Jesus. <laughs> well, I don't think you did. So this is what it said. This uh, review says, Greetings from Garthak. He says this, Despite these earthlings trying to force Jesus on me, they did provide me with the address to their orange leader with unusually small hands. <laughs> they also loaded my spacecraft with matter suitable for wiping my waste exit orifice. Thank you. So that's from Garthak, everyone. You're welcome, Garthak. He figured out how to use Apple's review system. Yeah. Good for him, man. Anyway, leave us five balls of gases held together by gravity? He did. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they all... Yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. But anyway, so even if an alien from space who we tried to share the gospel with, and like I said, Jason, I've been posting all over social media, intergalactic uh, evangelism is not talked enough in churches no, these days. No, it's not. And it's real. And it's real. We did it. Yeah. So... <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> I can't even do that with a straight face. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, but what's what's real and what's really important is if you guys like our show and if you guys care about the show and you want to see it get into the hands of more people, then we need those five star reviews. And as we get to as we get more five star reviews, more and more people will see the podcast. So it's just as simple as this: if you're an Apple. Uh, user, uh, you go on your podcast app, you find Not Your Pastor's Podcast, you click on the Write a Review link, and then you write us a little review and give us a five-star rating. Yeah, I mean, literally one time Alex and I were sitting down and we said, hey, let's get really famous. <laughs> and Alex was like, how? And I was like, let's start a podcast. <laughs> All we need is people to leave five-star reviews. <laughs> Not true, Jason. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it gets it gets the podcast it gets the podcast out there, and that's all we really want. Because the more people who see this, the more people maybe we have the pe- the potential to help. I really want people to hear this. Yeah, hear this episode uh, yeah. for sure. I hope that find somebody who's struggling with the same thing. And if you if you do not have Apple, uh, if you don't have uh, an Apple product, then and you're an Android user, then just hook, just get with us on social media and let us know what you like about the show and what you don't like about the show. Yeah, your feedback is seriously is really valuable. Or maybe you know you know what this I'm gonna put this out there, Jason. Okay. Whatever your favorite episode so far in 2017 has been, we want to hear which one it was. Yeah, definitely. Just the 2017 episodes. I mean, I know Tony. I know you love the Halloween episode, but you know who doesn't love ghost stories? Yeah. We'll get you on the next one for sure, buddy. Uh, but make sure. You guys get online, get on Facebook, get on Twitter, and let us know which of our 2017 episodes, starting with the powerful prayers from Nathan in episode 17, is your favorite thus far. So we love you guys. We're going to get back in this interview. It's going to get heavy again. To see the tears dry to my cheeks And the bags under my eyes have disappeared
All right, guys, we are back from the break to kind of finish out here in Jason's story. And like I said, I told Jason off, you know, off mic, like this is probably one of the heaviest episodes we've done to date. But uh, this is something that's important. And I think it's something that more and more awareness is being, you know, brought up about this particular topic of mental illness. And so we want to kind of be a part of that. And we also want to just hopefully be a help to somebody. Yeah, for sure. So Jason, moving forward, you were kind of in the, right before we went to break, you were talking about the church and a psychiatrist you were going uh, to see. So why don't you kind of start back up there? Yeah. I mean, I had that, that verse tattooed on my wrist. That was kind of like my, what would Jesus do bracelet? Yeah. (laughs) But way cooler. Yeah. Like that's what, um, it honestly kept me alive (laughs) a lot which also became a powerful witnessing tool. We didn't talk about that in our evangelism episode. Oh, my t- my <laughs> tattoo too. Uh, What'd your tattoo say? It's from Psalm 42. Yeah. Get ready to hear the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we missed that in that episode. Ah, uh, well, we're mentioning it now. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I go to a psychiatrist. I have the blood work done. Um, he tells me, we're going to put you on some medicine. It's going to take a while to find the right medicine. And um, once we do, you'll be on it for about a year, and it's going to balance out your serotonin, like the levels that are unbalanced right now. It'll balance them out, and then we'll fade you off the medicine, and you should be good to go. I don't know if it actually works that way or not, Alex. Like This, yeah. is, this is years ago. This is more than 10 years ago, probably 12, 13 years ago. Probably medical science is... Yeah, I mean, I have... Definitely gotten better since then. I have um, no clue if that actually worked for other people. What I do know is it worked for me after we found the right meds. And he also set me up with a therapist, um, a real one. (laughs) Who wasn't a jerk. Um, Just get naked and relax. Yeah. That's... Uh, She was different. She was a new therapist. She didn't have a clientele really built up. So this was uh, this was a legit therapist, and now um, I've been to therapists a couple of different times over the years. This this therapist was a better therapist, still not a good therapist. Like in general, I'm not a big fan of therapists, but if you find the right one, they can be extremely helpful. Yeah, and this guy wasn't perfect, but he was helpful. And as it turns out, um, we came um, to this point where he. He pointed out for me that the uh, my anxiety disorder was related to um, uh, an event in my childhood, which is not necessary for me to bring up. Um, but I never dealt with it. I mm. repressed it. Mm. Um, I hid it. I put it on lockdown. And every feeling that could be associated with it, um, I buried it. And to be honest with you, it happened when I was so young that I don't remember the details of it. Yeah. I don't. Um, but because this was in the back of my brain on lockdown, by the time I hit 17, 18 years old, um, it's like my brain said, it's time to get this out. <laughs> and yeah. unbeknowing to me... Um, I was having a mental reaction to a childhood event and it was extremely traumatic and it would be triggered by things that were random 
but could have been in some way, some shape, some form associated to that event. I, I, I still can't make the connections. I don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't raped as a child, if that's what people are thinking. <laughs> like, I think... I think people like uh, automatically like assume like the the worst thing possible. Well, when you say that, and then you don't want to say what it was. I know. Like I, people just go places. Jason, come on. Well, I have, I have uh, other people might listen to this, and it's not, it's not. No, you're being wise. Doesn't need no, no need wise. to bring up the past, and so um, yeah, I had buried it, but this was my body's way of saying no. It needs to come out. And uh, at the time, though, until you have the guidance of a therapist and you're on medication to help you, like, settle down, you don't see it and you can't realize. Let me tell you, like, the medication is awful. Mm. Like, the side effects are brutal. So I think I wrote in my article, like, the prescribed masturbation when you're on, uh, like, Paxil, it's not happening (laughs) because you can't. Like you physically can't. <laughs> so like I don't mind sharing that, but uh, well, I, I don't. I have no words. I had met a friend for, through music, and he was also on antidepressants. He's like, "Can you check off?" I goes, "No, I can't." <laughs> wow. He's like, wow. He's like, "Yeah, this medicine sucks." <laughs> uh, but. I gained a weight, Alex. Yeah, Holy I've seen pictures. Cow. I went from like 160 pounds my senior year. Like I ran two miles a day, like in super athletic shape. I had like a six pack and everything. Uh, like I bring pack. out the pictures of me in the newspaper playing soccer and Jess is like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened? I, gave, I went from 160 pounds to 260 pounds. You were Corey Feltman, and now you're Chunk. So Goonies yeah. reference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And over a couple of months. Oh, my gosh. And it dude. was, like, really sad at one point. Uh, Jess's friends, uh, you know, because she's a few years younger than me, they all remembered me playing soccer and how good I was. They're like, let's get this ringer Jason to play with us. He's going light, to light the lamp and score a lot of goals and stuff. And um, my first game... I I saw like an open ball and I ran to it and I fell on my face because <laughs> I had gained so much weight that um, I couldn't couldn't run like yeah uh but yeah that's always a fun one and it's why I'm always like sensitive to like people who like r- are rapidly gaining weight like when I see them it's like they might be going they might have a mental disorder they might be on one of these medications. Yeah. And so I always back off because the really fun thing to get when you just feel like shit <laughs> is somebody say, wow, you're gaining a lot of weight. It's like, thank you. Thank you. I didn't notice. At the same time, when you're on that medication, you really just don't care about anything. Yeah. It really uh, kind of just makes you, huh? <laughs> like, uh, you don't get high, you don't get low. You're yeah. just there. Right. So you eventually found something that worked, right? You you said uh, after after a period of time, your uh, psychiatrist found the right medication. Yeah, it was Prozac and Paxil and Effexor and all I, of them together. No, 
No, I just you kept keep trying different ones. That's kind of like the standard. Wow. Pre- you talk to anybody with uh, depression or anxiety, and that's just the way it is. I mean, the blood work shows like you have a uh, your serotonin levels are out of whack. Yeah, but they have all these different medicines, but they don't know exactly what they do, mm-hmm. and they don't all work for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just it's like uh, blindly throwing darts. At a dartboard and hoping one hits. Wow. So we were listening to Bad Christian, and they are talking about uh, microdosing of LSD. Alex, I would totally try that. Yeah, why not? I mean, because the side effects of these these different medications, and you're on this cocktail of them, they're so brutal. And they're, they're awful. I mean, I would try something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I do have to say, like, as terrible as they are, when you find one that works, it works. And it works good. Yeah. Because um, even though you had the side effects, the the panic attacks, the big ones stopped. And like I said, you you have everyday anxiety. Like that's that's there, and uh, that always existed throughout. But these attacks were were something far greater hmm. and and bigger. Wow. So. How did you eventually get off of the uh, meds that you're on? Because you you said in the in the beginning of the episode that you don't you don't really struggle with this anymore. Yeah, no, I don't. Like, um, whether that's divine healing or the medicine f- just worked and or whatever it is, you you don't you don't struggle anymore. So what what was that like? And then I also want you to talk a little bit how you you kind of process this through um, through music. Yeah. I think, that was, I think that's that's a therapy in itself right there. Yeah, absolutely. So go ahead. Um, I had been several, several months without a major panic attack on the medication. And I told my therapist that. And he had me meet with my psychiatrist. And he said, okay, let's try to taper it off. And... Um, I was ready. I think they would have kept me on the medication longer, but I, at the same time, I had proposed to Jess, and I wanted to get married, and I did not want to be on any medication going into marriage because it really did, the medication, um, I, just, I didn't have, like, any emotion. Hmm. Like, the, the panic attacks went away, but I also was never really happy about anything. I was never really sad about anything. It just made me kind of stoic. Like, I was just kind of there. Yeah. And um, I didn't want that going into marriage. And uh, my psychiatrist had us, had uh, had me taper off the medication. And that was that. I, mm. to this day, um, that was, we've, we've been married for 11 years. So, 11 and a half, 12 years ago, I have not had a panic attack like I did during that time frame. Wow. With the combination of prayer, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have the Bible verses there, um, you know, tattooed on my wrist and and other things. I never really gave up on my faith, just extremely frustrated. Um, but in addition to that, I had the therapy and I had the medication, yeah. And that's kind of like the trinity of mental illness. 
Like, I needed all three. Without all three, I don't know um, if I would be alive right now. Wow. Like, I can say that pretty honestly. And then you said the other element there in music, like, that was definitely therapeutic. So I wrote um, all these experiences down. Every time I had a panic attack, um, the severe ones, I wrote them down. I wrote them into songs, and I play them. And to me, to be up on stage in front of people playing these songs and just, I mean, you've seen me play a lie. I kind of go yeah. nuts. <laughs> yeah, you you definitely get into it. Yeah, and to me, it's... Slain in the spirit, just... It's working out all of that, though. <laughs> like, I'm in that that moment, I guess. I don't know. But to me, like, uh, even still, like, I'm not a big fan of cover songs. Like, I have no interest in sitting down and learning Sweet Home Alabama on my guitar. None whatsoever. But you've done it. I've done it <laughs> for church, yes. Church for the wants gospel. to use that skill. So, yeah, I've, I've morphed it into... Um, doing cover songs, which are fun, but it's not something I do on my own. I like writing songs. To me, it's the writing process. I don't care if they ever get played for anybody uh, ever again so much as this is a huge therapy outlet in in writing the songs, um, writing stuff down. Mm. I think that was big for me also in in um, in recovery. But the whole church angle really sucked. <laughs> yeah, so I I, I do want to talk about that, especially because there there could be somebody listening to this right now who's maybe in a similar situation. And I just want to say this, and as you were talking, I was thinking about this. I want not your pastor's podcast to be a place for if you are you've you're going through this or you have experienced this to feel safe enough to know that Jason and I are not going to tell you, just have more faith, pray about no. it. Haven't you heard about Luke 12? We're not going to be those guys. Yeah. So Jason, I almost, I almost want you the way you, you, your next response to this, to this question and the rest of our discussion before we close out is what do you tell somebody now, as you've, you've experienced this mm-hmm. and you've gone through this and you, you're a believer and you know, you even said like, God was definitely part of the Trinity of like how I overcame this mental illness. Yeah. What would you tell somebody now who's going through this? Um, And then we'll, and then the second question I have is what would you tell a pastor or the church to love and care for somebody who's going through this? So if somebody has anxiety disorder at the same level that I do, that I had anyway, uh, I would say, I understand. Yeah. Which is huge, Alex, because everybody is quick to throw out advice when you say, yes. I have anxiety disorder. People come back with, well, I have faith or, or pray more or you must not be doing this or maybe you're caught in this sin or maybe oh, you... Oh, I hate that. Maybe you thought this and and uh, you shouldn't. So you really need to analyze and, and think through. Like I've, I've done, a, I'm living in a personal hell to the point where I want to die. You think I haven't thought of those things? Like... To me, what what was ultimate like comfort was having that psychiatrist say, "Yes, your problem is real." 
Yeah. Having my mom do the research and say, this runs in the family. Having a therapist just listen um, to the point where they can say, um, I get it, even though I don't get it. <laughs> and that's okay. Like you don't, you, uh, you don't have to suffer through panic disorder to help somebody who has anxiety disorder. Um, I I have the benefit of saying I understand. I've even had, I've had friends call me later in life like, Hey, you went through this, didn't you? Yeah, I did. And they would, they would start explaining the the whole situation, their whole anxiety attack. There's a there's a solid chance, Alex, you will have an anxiety attack like what I'm describing at least one point in your life. Like that, those little moments of anxiety will build up and you will have that moment. Hmm. I think a lot of people do. But when you keep having them every few weeks, then you got a problem. Yeah. Like most people think they're having a heart attack when they're having an anxiety attack. I know lots of people who have gone to the hospitals. I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought this was it. And I got there and it just turns out I was having a panic attack. Like, I know what that feels like, buddy. I've been there. And I think for those people who call me and talk to me in those situations, it's really helpful for them just to be able to talk to somebody else and they can say, I get it. I understand. Or if you can't understand, you're still willing to sit there and just listen to people. And yeah. say, like, I don't understand exactly what you're going through, but I want to. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. Like, can you help me understand? Like, just the fact that people care and don't brush you off with some sort of half-assed solution. Yeah. And, and then it, they tangle God into it. Like, God doesn't understand or get you. And that like would be, there, that there would be must, your advice for the church then as well. Yeah. So, I mean, like... um what I love about uh, the Bible and I love the stories in the Bible is people are screw ups all over the place and there's imperfection everywhere. And um, I came across this verse in one in Psalm 139 where the psalmist says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I saw that word that fearful mm. It's like, holy crap, do I know what fearful feels like? But at the same time, I'm wonderfully made. And God knit me together in my mother's womb. Like before um, my substance was formed, he knew who I was. You know, he he knows the words on the tip of your tongue before you say them. Like you're precious to God. And so when I think of that, today's... uh, um, you know, to go a little feminist on you, <laughs> like <laughs> my wife is a feminist and, and we'll be talking about that coming up. But I read those verses, Psalm 139, and um, I think of mothers who have a child growing inside of them and they have a whole level of connection with the child before it's even born. Just like God's talking about in that passage, like he knows us before we're even formed. And to say like God there as the mother, um, like you're in God's womb of creation and he knows you and he mm. loves you and he cherishes you and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And to me, when I read that means um, I'm precious to God. Like, even though I feel like life is falling apart, God's going to come after me 
because I'm precious to him. I'm fearfully and yeah. wonderfully made. Like I'm not just a, an accident. And to me, that verse was really, really uh, helpful in my recovery. Uh, even though the pastors or ministers or preachers or whatever wanted to have answers, um, that wasn't necessarily an answer. It was just a feeling of comfort. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm going through this, but God made made me and he loves me. And so there's this level of comfort there. And that's that's the verse I had tattooed on my right hand, my right wrist when I when I kinda overcame panic disorder, I guess. Wow, man. Good stuff. Is there anything you wanna you wanna close with? Any final remarks before we uh say goodnight to everybody and yeah, for wish them a happy Friday. For pastors out there, I came across it. I, like I come across, like I was searching for stupid church signs because they're funny slash disgusting. Yeah, at the same time. Yep, yep. So I saw, I saw one that said, "Jesus, Jesus is my Prozac," <laughs> and it's like you ass munches. Like, <laughs> Like people are going. We just through, had a new record for cuss words. I know. On this I'm episode. really sorry about that, but I get I get so angry, so angry. So like I read that and like no, you don't get it. You don't understand what it's like to have this real disability. And then I saw um, a pastor friend of mine post on Facebook one time, and this is not uncommon. It happens all the time. Um, saying people with anxiety just need to have more faith and pray more. Like I watched him post this on Facebook and I like, I sat back with popcorn, like this guy's going to get destroyed. He's going to get lit. And he did. Cause he's a young pastor and he doesn't really know any better. Like, yeah, he's just exercising the word with authority. That's authority, Alex. That's one of my, that's one of my hang up words when it comes to, <laughs> to being a pastor. Maybe that's why I'm not one is I have trouble with that word. I hate saying things with authority when there's so much, uh, there's so everything's not black and white. Exactly. So it's a lot more gray than we, than we think it is. So I purposefully, when he posted this, I sat back, I showed it to my wife who got really mad. Um, but I sat back and just kind of let him get ripped to pieces. And he did, which goes into what you said, like, uh, at the beginning where people have more of an awareness of it now and are, are more open to speak. And, uh, I, I then told him, I was like, there's, there is anxiety. Yes. There's also mental illness where people need legitimate medication and therapy to help them get through. Like God provided therapy and medication to help you work through stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's there. And uh, he was really thankful. Like I, I told him a lot of the same stories I've told here. Like, no, like this is a real, a real problem. It's a real issue. And uh, I want to let other pastors know that this is, it's a real thing. And, and not to give those canned responses. Like my hope and goal would, would be for the pastor to say, I understand. Um, let's, or I hear you. Yeah. Or I hear you. Let's help you get help. Like, like there's maybe maybe there's somebody in the church who has a experience in mental illness, and they even can, if there's not, like maybe you should go see a yeah, psychiatrist. Yeah, go see a psychiatrist. Like, 
Like, don't don't remove that option from people because yeah. that's what people get. It's like, well, you don't have faith. Well, crap, I don't have faith now. So now you got people doubting their salvation. Yeah. Which, yeah, we know how good that is. Well, now I'm not going to go to the psychiatrist. I already feel shamed that I don't have enough faith for God to heal me. So, like, just don't erase that option for people. And, like, to think of it, like, to put yourself in that person's shoes. Imagine if you had just lost everybody in a terrible accident, your family. Imagine if both of your parents and siblings um, got in a house fire and were dead. And you're going through the trauma of that loss and shock and you don't know how to handle it now imagine that happened about every couple of weeks that same trauma that same loss oh my gosh and tell people to pray more like obviously in that situation okay it didn't really happen but my body thought it did and i went through that pain and that suffering and that trauma um for real like, because I, I legitimately thought everybody was dead week after week after week to now, I don't want to leave the house. I want to die. Hmm. I don't want to go through that again. I don't know when it's going to happen. And to tell people, just pray more. <laughs> it's a really... Super unloving. It's, it is an extreme... Well, it's like, to a point, like, I get the pastors who don't, I get wanting to have an answer because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And the answers help you feel better about yourself. Like, well, at least I was helping. I was trying. And I, I think, like, I've gotten some really bad advice some, from some really great people who were just in that situation really uncomfortable and didn't know, like, ministry doesn't, like, seminary doesn't teach you how to deal with that. No, it doesn't. They don't. Uh, they tell you how to have the canned response. <laughs> So that would be like, that would be my hope that pastors listening to this would hear those stories and say, maybe there's something real here and maybe I should just shut up and listen before I start providing solutions. And maybe I shouldn't erase the psychiatrist or the therapist uh, from the board. Right. Well, Jason, thanks, man, for just being open and transparent about this. This is something I know was... Plan B, it wasn't yeah. our, our first choice, and so we. I kind of put you on the spot, and you you opened your heart up, and I I know there's going to be some people out there that are going to really hear this episode and appreciate it. So yeah, thanks to Sarah Fader and Stigma Fighters and everything they're doing, not with just anxiety disorder, but depression and OCD and yeah. and all other sorts of mental illness. Just uh, providing an outlet for people to connect through those stories that's huge, and yeah. we'll provide links. For sure. To that and the article that I wrote. And I really hope, like, share the article. Uh, share this podcast with your pastor. Yeah. Um, especially if you're in a situation where you have a mental illness and your pastor doesn't get it. Hopefully they'll listen to this and not turn it off as soon as I swear. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Anyway, Jason, I love you, buddy. Thanks, thanks so much for opening up. Yeah, man. Um, guys, this has been one of our heavier episodes. Uh, make sure, like Jason said, share this episode with somebody who maybe 
doesn't fully understand mental illness and hopefully we can maybe help some people and that's that's all we really want to do so we love you guys thank you so much for listening leave us a five-star review all those great things social media our website not your pastors podcast.com and jason besides mental illness tell the other people what they need to do always keep your stick on the ice Mm -hmm. So